Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Hello and welcome to the Vilna Gon. We're going to focus on Parsha's Bahar and then afterwards Parsha's Bechukosai. Some years they're together, this year they're not, um, but we're going to put them together. Two thoughts for Parsha's Bahar, and they're both related. We have in Perak Chafhe, Pasuk Lamates, the idea of a Jewish slave. And this is a very hard concept to understand, certainly since the Civil War, um, where we've tried to reconcile the Torah's view of slavery. But certainly what's even more difficult is the understanding of a Jewish slave. And uh, of course, there isn't such a thing nowadays, basically, and there shouldn't be, um, based on our understanding of Terachel Darche Noam. But the laws of the Torah still... Uh, remain and there's the lessons are certainly there. So the pasuk says, and when your brother becomes destitute and has to sell himself, and the Gemara Darshan's that person is not allowed to sell himself as a slave for no reason. It's only because usually he stole money and doesn't have enough money to pay back, and he's just broke, so he sells himself into a temporary servitude. And we know from Parshas Mishpatim, there's laws about an Evid Ivri that uh, he really is supposed to try to free himself as fast as possible, and it's a very negative thing if, if he stays in that uh, slavery mentality, which is what the piercing of the ear is all about if he decides he doesn't want to leave. But suffice it to say, the grub brings down, and it's based on Chazal, that it's a very interesting thing. The Pasuk says, your brother. He's, it's, he's still called your brother. But yet, the Pasuk says, he sells himself to you. Don't treat him with servitude. So we know that we have to treat him properly, and even Chazal say, even for Evid Kanani, a non-Jewish slave, one who uh, buys an Evid is like he uh, has really purchased a master for himself, because we need to treat our slaves with respect, which is certainly very different than the uh, 1800s and the Civil War era of slaves that were not treated properly for the most part. And certainly in today's world, uh, whatever slavery still exists in certain places of the world, um, there there is not a treatment of the, the uh, human as, as a person, which is a big problem. Suffice it to say, um, when we look at this Pusik, the Grub brings down his drasha based on Chazal, which is very fascinating, but it's an interesting one. And that is that that the Torah still calls him a chicha, he's still your brother. And your responsibility is, even if you bought him legally and he's your slave, but you still have a responsibility to treat him like a mensch. You still have to treat him like he's your brother. And that's your responsibility. However, the slave is not supposed to take advantage of this in the sense that, of course, he appreciates being treated like a human being, but he's not supposed to manipulate you and not act according to what his, what his expectations are. And so, therefore, that's why it says the Grah, that's why the Pusik says, you can't treat him as an Avodas Eved. However, he has to treat himself as if he is an Eved, and whatever the responsibilities of the Eved are. Maybe they're determined by the time and by the society. But, so, therefore, it's a fascinating thing that there's a responsibility that you have, how you should act towards the person, and the responsibility that the slave has towards how he acts towards you. I know that people sometimes hear a famous story that, um, and I've heard this with different people, where Ruvain asked his Rebbe, or the Rashiva, who he should learn with as a Chavrusa. And he was told that he should learn with Shimon, because Shimon is a, is a tremendous Talmud Chacham, and it, it's going to be a, a challenging and, and growth-oriented um, um, learning. But then Ruvain came back a few hours later and said, Rebbe, I don't understand. I asked Shimon if he could learn with me, and he said no, because you told him that I'm not a good Chavrusa for him. 
And so the the Rebbe would explain that it's not a contradiction. I think for you, it is a good match. And if you could get him and convince him to learn with you and push yourself, it would be very successful. But when he asked me for my advice based on me, you know, me knowing him and his needs, um, I, I don't know, but it is a it is a good match. Well, then he he asked, why did you recommend it? So he said, because every person has to do what's best, what their responsibility is. There, there still is a possibility that he could learn with you, but you would have to push yourself. And as I explained to him, that it might not be the most optimal situation because of the challenges of dynamics. However, it could work also. And this story that I heard, I heard it from someone that this actually happened to, he said at the end, they did end up learning together. And it was very bumpy at first, but they did end up uh, working it out. But the advice that the Rashiva gave was actually very sage because when you give advice, each person has what's good for them and what's not good for them. And it's the same thing with the Ebed. Each person has their responsibility. As the master, you have a responsibility to treat him respectfully, but as a slave, he has a responsibility to fulfill his obligations properly. So that is one um, shot from the Grah. There's another Pasuk a little further on, which again is talking about this idea of slavery. And the Pasuk says, and it's a very interesting Pasuk because you'll see that it's kind of read two ways. So the Pasuk says, You could keep the slave for a long time, and then seemingly there's a comma there, and then However, when it comes to your brother, the the Jewish people, when it comes to you relating to your brother, once again, don't treat him uh, with with uh, hard harsh labor. And Chazal actually that it's actually not fully true because if the slave acts without proper midos, if this Jewish slave acts without proper midos, then you are allowed to give him backbreaking labor, um, which is pushing him beyond what would be the norm. And even if he's a Jewish slave, and if especially if he's not acting appropriately, the, the seeming rationale that I understand is because if someone's wasting his time and not acting appropriately, then he should be given servitude so that he can um, use his time productively. That which Chazal say that someone who's Makabal Ol Torah, the famous um, Chazal in Masechus Derech Eretz Rabba, and mentioned in Avos and other sources in, in brief, but if someone is in Avos, I'm sorry, in Avos Terb Nassen, it says, uh, the the full length is someone who's Makabal Ol Torah, they remove from him the the Ol of of um, Malchus and, and fear and all types of negative um, things are removed from him. Why? Because the shot is that if he's Makabal the Torah, but he's fulfilling his purpose and he's using his time wisely. But if he's not, then Hashem, is, or Shalom, then Hashem says, okay, if you're wasting your time, then then I'm going to occupy you with other times. With other things that so to keep you out of trouble, that's that's our job to keep you out of trouble. Like the Chavos Halavos says, the two reasons for Hishtadlus. Well, one of them is so we don't kick Hashem. The other one is to keep us busy, that we should be productive. But therefore, if a person has full amun in Hashem and keeps himself productive with Torah, then his Hishtadlus Chiyuvim are very different. Ayin Shem. So Zuck the Gra. If a person acts inappropriate, then there is a there is a law that you're allowed to treat him properly. But if a person um, acts like an appropriate Jew, then you should give him regular slave labor, and of course he should he should be able to live his life without stressors. So the Grah explains, based on a trap, and we explain this very often, that in the um, in this Pasuk, the word uva achechem, regarding your brother, there's two trups on it. There's a mapach, um, which is underneath, and there's a gerish, which is above. So what does that mean? So the Grah says that you read the Pasuk in two ways. You read, la'olam bohem tavodu, it means you could treat them harshly, and also your brother. And so when he acts lowly, downward, when he acts like a negative person, which is the garish, he's 
divorced from Judaism from acting appropriate, then in that case, you're allowed to hurt him. However, when he acts appropriately, the ma'apach, where he turns himself around and he acts appropriately, which is the trump which is on top, so he acts appropriate and high, like a, like a proper Jew is supposed, supposed to act, then then you read it, then you read it together, your, your uh, brother of a Jew, you should not treat him with uh, harsh labor. That is the Vilnagon, beautiful, beautiful pshat. Moving on to Parshas Baloscha, so we know the famous Mulchukosai Telechu, which many there are many um, beautiful pshatim that it means that a person has to be Amol Batora. So the Gra brings down this idea of Amela Satora. There's a Medrash Shanchuma in Parshas Akev that says that if you learn Torah but you don't keep it, then it's better Shenepcha. You're better off that you should have. Uh, pulled your birth sack on top of your face and not been born. Because it says, Tishmeru and La'asos, you should watch it to do. The purpose of the Torah is to fulfill it. That's in Devarim, Parachas, Pasuk, Aleph. So what's the Pshat? It's a very interesting thing. What's what's the Pshat in this Gemara? So the Gra says, um, and actually this is quoted B'Shem, the, the Gra's brother. Um, but either way, the Gemara Nita Daf says that when a child is in its mother's womb, they teach it the entire Torah. But once he comes out, the Malach comes and hits him on his mouth, which, by the way, is that area on top of his mouth, according to many Mepharshim, that's the philtrum, that's what it's called. So it's that um, indentation underneath his nose, on his, on his top lip, and he forgets everything. So, so when Frek the Grah and many of the Mepharshim ask this, so what's the point of learning it if you're going to forget it all? What's, what's going on? But the Pshad is that um, we each have a Chelek in Torah, and his, he lies the foundation for our future learning. That's why it says in Gemara Megillah Daf Vav Beis Yagatiu Matsasi Tamin. If someone says I worked hard in Torah, and Matsasi literally means and I found I found success, which which literally means that he found something surprising. Tamin, you could believe that. But if someone says I worked hard and I didn't find, then you don't believe him because it's impossible. A person that works hard will succeed. But what's the shot in Matsasi? It should be that I I found I I, I learned Torah Yagati. I worked hard. And, and I achieved it. What's Matsasi? I found it. But the answer is that it's an Aveda. Everyone has their own chilek. And so that's what the Malach was teaching you. The, ta- the Malach was teaching you, uh, here's, here's your chilek of Torah. Bring it out. And so that's a shot in this Gemara, in this Medr Shanchuma, this Chazal, that if he learns Torah but doesn't fulfill it, then he should have uh, put his birth sack back on his face because in there he already learned the Torah. So there, if you're, if you're just going to have the Torah and not bring it out and not fulfill it. There's no point of being born. The whole purpose of being born is for the person to come into this world and to bring out his actions in Olam and to become the best person he could be. And so that's a pshat. And finally, another pshat in Amelos Batorah um, is a very fascinating thing that the Grub brings down. That the, there are three things when it comes to carbon. The first thing is the blood of the carbon, which is sprinkled. The second thing is the chela of the fats, which are burned, and those are very um, good. We know that people like fat as flavoring for food, but it, it, the fats, certain fats, them are considered certain good parts. And finally, there's um, there's some there's there's one carbon, which is the ola, which is totally burned for God. So what does that mean? There's three aspects of Torah, says the Gra. One of them is mikra, the the actual chumash. That's the blood. That's the lifeblood of what Torah is all about. And that's that's connected the carbon when a person learns, and he's most nefesh to connect to the Torah. The Mishnah is considered the olab, which, which is totally burned, because the Mishnah is all filled with all the laws, and there's nothing extra in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is all the all the very simple, basic, most basic laws. It's kol Hashem. There's no extra conversations. There's just halacha after halacha, just teaching us the laws of the Torah. And finally, the Gemara, which is the pilpul, that's the chelav, that's the extra part, the fat that comes out of the Mishnah that helps extrapolate it. That is the richness that teaches us stuff. And so that's that's a shot 
But Hashem says, I want your karbonos. I want, I want, Lamali Rovis of Chechem. Hashem says, you're learning, but it's only a zevach. I want to make sure that when you're learning the pilpul, you're not overdoing it, says the Grah, and you're learning it properly. And, and, and that pasuk, it goes through the other things also, chelev Moraim, but I'm not going to go into that part. Um, so the pshat is that when a person learns Torah, he's being most nefesh for Hashem. And that's the pshat in the first pasuk that that like Rashi says, you're following, you're following the Torah. That means that you're putting an effort into the Torah. You're making the Torah part of your life. You're making the Torah uh, the most important priority of your entire life. That's what it means to, to sacrifice for Hashem. And finally, the last thing is in Perek Chavav, Pasuk Chavches, the Asarti Eschem, Afani Shavav Chatosechem. Shalom says that if a person doesn't keep the Torah, he's going to be punished with Yisurim. And the Gra has a very famous thing that the Gra says that when a person passes away out of this world, so he sees all of his mitzvahs are weighed out in front of him, and he gets very nervous because he realizes he didn't do enough. He's dead. It's too late. He can't add to it. And then all of his chobos, all of his, all of his averas come, and he starts to come to recognition. Every person starts to come to recognition. Oh, no. My averas are going to outweigh my mitzvahs. My averas are so much more. But says the Gra, what saves him? What saves him is his Yisurim. The pain that he goes through in this world, the Yisurim that he goes through in this world, those, those are what comes afterwards and it brushes out all of his Averis and it excuses some of the fact that he didn't do some of the mitzvahs, he was in pain. But more importantly, the, the amount of kapar that it brings is the most eye-opening and, and saving thing for this man. And so that's what the Gras says, that when a person should look at Yisurim, he should recognize that the Rebbe Shalom is giving him his punishment in this world so that he could have a better world of the next. And the last thing that I say often is that the Pasuk says, and we say it on Shabbos davening, Tashev Enosh HaDaka Adam. Hashem pushes a person to his crushing point and he says, repent. When a person has Yisurin, when a person has challenges that comes his way, he can look at it in two ways. One of it, he can look at it and he can say, Hashem, come on, why are you doing this to me again? I'm such a good person. I do so much, so much hard work and I'm, I'm following your Torah and your mitzvahs. Why are you doing this to me? You can get angry. Like Moshe said. He was punished for it. Hashem said, Where, where are my avos that stop? Where are the avos that don't question me? But when a person has your and he could do the other thing. He could say, You're crushing me. You're, you're pushing me to the breaking point. You're helping, you're helping break me to the point where I recognize what's important in life. These Yisurin, they hurt. They make me recognize that it's not my pursuit of Olam Hazah that matters, because if it was, this isn't very fair. But rather, it's my pursuit of Ruchnius that turns me into the best person I could be. That's what it means that Hashem pushes you to your crushing point. Vatomar, and those Yisurim are, it's not that he, it's not that any, and he says, it's Vatomar, those Yisurim that are crushing you are giving you a message, Shuv and Adam, they're telling you to repent. I, I read a very interesting story that Rav Chaim Kanievsky was consulted by a Rav. The, the Rav said the following. He said, there's a man who joined my kahila. His parents were not religious. He became a Balchuvi. He was Choser Bachuva two years ago. And he turned around his entire life, started becoming Shomer Torah Mitzvos, was learning, was doing amazing things. And all of a sudden, he was in a car accident, tragic car accident, and he died. And he said, I'm about to go to the family, and, I, and they're not religious, and they were against what he was doing. But this is, this is the worst, because at this time of his life, when he was acting, doing all types of horrific things, eh, he was fine. But... Now he did tshuva, and he's he 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 did such great things, and the family's going to look at me, and they're going to say, "Come on, how do you explain this? This is this is crazy." He was at the peak of his tshuva; he was doing so well, and now Hashem took him, and, and it's going to it's going to backfire. And I'm afraid that that I don't know what to answer them. What should I say? So Rechaim Kanievsky heard the story. He didn't know the situation. He heard the story, and he looked at the rav and he said, "Tell them he should have died two years ago. And it was only in the zechus of his tshuva that Hashem gave him two extra years." So the Rav looked at Rechaim Kanievsky and said, okay, that's an interesting idea, but like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? 
That's it. Archaim Kanevsky says something. He's one of the Gedolei Adar and has a tremendous yacht to the Shemaya. So he went to the Shiva house, and lo and behold, he was talking to the family about what a great person their son was, and their brother, and their relative. And um, they asked him the question. They said, come on, Rabbi, what's going on? This doesn't make sense. Like, he was convincing us to do tshuva, but this this is a big turnoff. Here he was at the peak of his tshuva and the peak of his repentance, and uh, Hashem took him. So what's going on? And so the Rav said, I had the same question. I didn't know what to answer. And I went to Rav Kanesky, and this is what he told me to tell you. He said, I should tell you that your son should have died two years ago. It was only the merit of his tshuva that he lived longer. The family burst out crying. All the members burst out crying. He, he, he thought maybe they didn't like what he said or he hurt them. They were insulted. When they calmed down, which took a while, they said to him, how did you know that? So two years ago, he was very, he was deathly ill. And the doctors told us he was going to die. And he knew he was going to die. And somehow through that illness, he survived and he literally should have been dead. But after that illness, he did a full tshuva and he came back to Hashem and he said that Hashem only gave him life so he could repent. So you're 100% right. Meaning his life would have ended then. But it was just Hashem gave him as a chus that he was going to do tshuva and he took an advantage of that opportunity and he did tshuva and look, look, look what kind of person he made himself. That's the end of the story. I don't know what the family did about it. I don't know if it inspired them or didn't. But I know that it's not the end of the story for us because when you hear a story like that, it should make an impact. That, think about that. It's an amazing thing. This person had an opportunity to do tshuva. And that's why it says in Chazal, Shuv yom echad It's a moment of tshuva. We, when we talk about brain dead and we talk about heart dead and, and all these other halachas, one of the most important factors of determining the, the value of life is that a person might have some stream of consciousness to be able to do tshuva in that moment. What an opportunity we have, yafa shalachas, in this world to say, Rebunish, I want to be a better person. It says if someone's a Russia and they're Makadish and Isha and they say it's Almanas that I'm a Tzadik, so the Kedushin Archal, it's a suffix because maybe here are Tshuva, maybe he had a, 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 a thought of Tshuva. That means that this guy went around and he lived his life as a Russia, and all of a sudden in that moment he says, I want to be married to you on Kedushin, I'm a Tzadik, and, and we consider him married. Now, obviously, no woman's going to marry him unless she knows who he is, and hopefully, you know, he probably is marrying someone who's a match towards him, and that's probably not going to help with his tshuva. But let's say, let's say again, halachically, it could be that she is a good person and she's a growing person. Now, of course, no one should marry someone expecting you to change them like that. But it's a fascinating halacha. But that means that with one here her tshuva, a person could change. A person could, could become the best person they could be. I'll leave you off with one last story. Urbanish Finkel was known to be a tremendous anav, but also a tremendous, he had a great sense of humor. But more importantly, he was a very scary man. People were scared of him. And um, Rav Asher Rubenstein Marebi, so that's all, once told me a very, very funny story. He was at a wedding, and he was called up to be Masada Kedushin. He was called up to be an Ede Kedushin, and Rabbeinish Finkel was a Masada Kedushin. Rabbeinish was a tremendous tzaddik. The, the, he was Rashiva Amir, the father-in-law of Renatus V. Finkel, that's all. And a tremendous, tremendous Eloi and Talmud Chacham, but big Anav as well. And Rabbeinish said to the two witnesses, Rav Asher and, and, and his friend who was up there, there's Allah that if someone's a Russia, he's puzzle Edus. So that Adam are supposed to do tshuva. So this is your opportunity right now, so you don't mess up the Kedushin. Do tshuva. <laughs> Roger said he was shaking in his pants. He said he doesn't know if he did such a tshuva in his life any other time. <laughs> he said it was a better tshuva than, than Yom Kippur. Because it's an achrayas. He's thinking, you know, you're going to be an aid for someone. You want to make sure that you're kosher. And so that's Tashiv Anash Adaka. The Rebun is telling us, come on, repent. What a beautiful lesson. That's what it means when we're Amal Torah, that we're returning to Hashem and we're enhancing our life and becoming the best people we can be. We should all be Zelcha to do that. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at ParshaThemes.com.